In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is taken from Proverbs 28, verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. In Christ's parable of workers in the vineyard, the gospel for this day, the workers hired first grumbled at the generous master who paid those hired later the same wage as themselves. They complained that the master had made these hired last equal to those who had labored the whole day. And truth be told, many of us can identify with those workers, for we too might have the same reaction. And the master's question strikes us between the eyes. Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? Or are you jealous that I am generous to others? That we should mistake our own jealousy for justice should lead us to meditate on Proverbs 28, verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice. But those who seek the Lord understand it completely. So we'll meditate this evening on this central idea that divine justice cannot be understood, only accepted by faith. Now in the first place, human ideas of justice fail. People can't agree on what is just on what is right. One of the current debates is, is in the education sphere, equality of opportunity versus results. The old system said that a high school student was guaranteed 120 hours of instruction, say in algebra, but not everyone passed the test at the end of the year. Some could excel with 120 hours of instruction, others needed more. And now, with no child left behind, everyone is expected to pass certain standards, whatever it takes. And people want to get rid of the old idea of 120 hours of instruction and replace it with standardized tests. And you yourselves know how that, how popular that is in many circles. And it all turns on a disagreement about what is just. Another issue that people cannot agree on is proportionality versus absolute. What am I talking about? I'm talking about in taxes, for example, in the Old Testament. There was a temple tax. Every male Israelite had to pay two-thirds of a shekel every year to maintain the temple. Everyone paid the same, whether you were rich or whether you were poor. But the Old Testament also had tithing. This was a tax which was proportional. You'd give a tenth of your harvest for the maintenance of the temple and maybe another tenth as taxes to the king. This was proportional so that if you had a small farm, you'd pay a tenth of your harvest there or a, or a dozen farms, you'd pay a tenth of the harvest there. Now we come to America, our U.S. income tax requires a bigger proportion of the highest incomes 
we had to adopt a special amendment to the Constitution to permit that kind of progressive income tax, as we call it, is that just? Well, there are people still arguing on both sides of the question. My point is simply that human ideas of justice fail to command universal assent. Another issue is impartiality versus advocacy. Now, you might think that justice should be impartial. Some would say that's the literate class, those who can read, presume the rules would be public and, and everyone could be held accountable to the rules. But advocates of the illiterate class argues that this stacks the deck against those who cannot read. And so they need advocates, not merely advocates to plead their cause, but judges who will make a preferential option for the poor, to quote the Pope's words. So should justice be administered impartially or with an eye to advocacy? And then related to this is the question of objective justice versus subjective justice. The skeptic Anatole France once observed that the law in its magnificent objectivity keeps the rich as well as the poor from sleeping in park benches. Another problem is that offenses against me seem so much greater than similar offenses against others. You know, when I bump someone, I want them to just ignore it. It doesn't mean anything, but if someone bumps me, I want an apology. I, I want to show everyone that I don't get pushed around. You know, there's a law in the Old Testament called an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, the principle of retributive justice. And so many people pointed this to, to tell us that the Old Testament is a primitive, violent document. They don't realize that the original purpose was to limit revenge. For you see, if someone put out your eye, that guy was going to kill you. So this principle of justice helped quell the human tendency to increase violence through vengeance and so-called questions of honor. The fact that subjective justice is, is often distorted is pointed out by our Lord Jesus who said, take the log out of your own eye before removing the speck from another's eye. Subjective justice was the principle during the time of the judges in Israel's early history that says in the book of Judges more than once that every man did what was right in his own eyes and then it goes to give us a history of violence and of rape and of other unspeakable things. It says elsewhere in the Proverbs that there is a way that seems right to a man, his subjective justice, but in the end it leads to destruction. Human ideas of justice fail. Evil men do not understand justice. And the scripture tells us that every one of us has that evil inside. Each one of us has the self-centeredness of sin. The proverb goes on to say, but those who seek the Lord understand justice completely. 
Those who seek the Lord recognize God's justice in his generous dealings with humankind. For he gives every one of us the gift of life, that priceless gift, a divine gift. That's why respect for life is fundamental to any human notion of justice. Secondly, God causes the rain to fall on the fields of the just and the unjust alike. He is so generous. He gives to all. He doesn't hold grudges. And God's justice is manifest in what is right, whether it's curbing the wicked, but also in generosity. Saint Joseph, the guardian of our Lord, was such a man. As it says in the Gospel of Matthew, when he found out that his fiancée Mary was expecting a child, being a just man, he sought to put her away quietly. Because he was a just man, he did not demand her public disgrace, her punishment. Because he was a just man, he sought to put her away quietly, to leave it be. For you see, God's justice favors creation rather than destruction. That's why so many times in the Old Testament we find a fine suggested as the way to end a conflict. A fine may help repair damage, but destroying neighbor's property helps no one. So if a neighbor has accidentally knocked over your fence, the solution is not to go over and knock over his fence, but do something constructive. Helpful, creative. That's the justice of God. St. Paul applies this in the New Testament. He writes, let him that stole steal no more. Rather, let him labor with his hands to give to those in need. He doesn't say, let him that stole receive 50 lashes for each hundred dollars worth of theft. No, he says, let him cease the sin and labor to do the opposite. Instead of being a, a drag on others, be a blessing to others. That's God's idea of justice. And God's greatest act of justice was also His greatest act of grace, sending His Son. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. And that offer is made to all humankind. It is made to you now. Now is the acceptable time. All are invited. Share that invitation with others. For God's generosity is overflowing, not just to the workers in the harvest who received a full day's pay for an hour's worth of work, but to each of us who have lived a lifetime of sin. In Jesus we can receive an eternity of blessedness. And having that pearl of great price, the forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life. Let us share that grace and see all else in perspective. 
When you know what God has given to you and how much He has forgiven you, how much easier it is for us to rejoice in the blessings of others and to extend that forgiveness with those who owe us a paltry debt. Can you see God's generosity, God's grace, how right it is in the blessing that others enjoy? If not, let us pray that we see Christ's love to us as more real, that we might be freed from the love of earthly things. For when we begrudge God's blessings to others, when we are overcome by jealousy or envy or any of the other sins that mask themselves as justice in our subjective experience, it's a sign that we're too caught up in the things of this world, that we don't have an appreciation of what we have received in Christ. So let us seek the Lord diligently, that we may understand and rejoice in his justice completely. Amen. And may that grace of God keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.